The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Welcome to the show. Mother's Day weekend. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Got a packed hour. Glad you're here. Let's get it going. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. Dave Spano, President, CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Yeah, welcome. And of course, yes, uh, happy Mother's Day weekend for sure. Obviously, by now, everybody knows the story. The Federal Reserve came out and said that they were going to raise rates by 50 basis points and follow that up with two more rate raises of 50 basis points. And the market initially liked it on Wednesday, rallied 1,000 points to the up. Thursday, gave it all back. And then on Friday, down as much as 550 points during the day, but then rallied into the close and down only 100. So, Derek, the market is acting like it's trying to find a bottom here, but there's a lot of factors that's go- that are going into this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so many different uh, factors that are influencing the mark- markets, whether it's Russia, Ukraine, the price of oil, inflation, the Fed, and whether or not they've lost their credibility and so on. But generally speaking, the, the market, I think, initially reacted positively because Powell essentially took a 75 basis point rate hike off the table, which he really didn't need to do. And I think that's part of the reason that the market sold off on Thursday. It's sort of like, do we really believe in the Fed? Do they have credibility? After all, they were still easing the real estate market until March when the real estate market was very strong and the labor market was tight. Yeah, that's right. So what Derek is talking about is all of this liquidity they can continued to pump into the economy despite the fact that the evidence was overwhelming that we had an inflation issue. So that was, of course, like the firefighter who actually started the fire and then came to put it out. So this is the problem that we're having right now. The Fed is obviously at the front, but it's not the only problem. Of course, as Derek illuminated, all of these other reasons that are out there, and of course, lots of tough talk by Russia as well as certainly making the market unnerved. But this is the way we're looking at it, folks. We go, there is a lot of opportunity in front of us, and you have to know what you own. And you hear me say that all of the time, but there are certain sectors that are doing just fine because of this inflationary environment. Right. I mean, small cap value stocks have held up very well. And we know the energy sector has been very strong. And many of these energy companies, even at a price on oil of about $70 a barrel, would be making a fair amount of money with it currently trading at 110 So the energy sector has certainly benefited from the uncertainty. Also, selected healthcare areas have done pretty well. Technology companies that actually make money and are not trading at absurd multiples of sales have have held up well. But essentially, this is a point-to-point thing. We ended last year on a very strong note. We started the year on a strong note. And I think what's particularly painful to people is not only are their equity holdings going down in value, broadly speaking, so too is much of their fixed income exposure as well. Yeah, so let's let's really unwrap that because that is a major point. The S&P 500 hit its high on January 3rd to begin the year at 4790 and we closed on Friday at about 41.24. So, you know, if you look at your statements,
distance from the high point, which a lot of people do from the high watermark to where we are, it shows a down market. That is obvious. The second part, as Derek illuminated, this is the worst bond market that we have seen in our careers. No, that's absolutely true. The 30-year Treasury bond is down 20% from its highs. Uh, even intermediate-term bonds are down double digits. And so, you know, many portfolio managers hold those types of securities in a portfolio to basically offset the volatility of their equity holdings. And right now, as we said any number of times, when interest rates were as low as they were, you really weren't getting a whole lot of defense from there. And in fact, there was probably more risk in that aspect of that asset class than there was in many others. And I just wanted to go through a couple of points before we head to break. We, as an investment committee, Derek, we certainly made changes to but not only the fixed income holdings, but the equity holdings as well. And if you're not getting that kind of care, you know, this forethought, you should think about having a second set of eyes look at your portfolio because there are things that you could have done. And more importantly, there's things that you can do going forward. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano, our president and CEO, put us to work. We want to do it for you. One team, one plan, one fee. What we do is investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. It's a complete plan built using the power of the entire Annex team, the big, strong, smart Annex team. And most importantly, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. We're talking about complete fee transparency. AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. The website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button while you're there. Sign up for the Axiom, which is our free weekly newsletter. If you're looking for great information from our content team, head to Annex Wealth Management's YouTube channel with over 1,400 videos on a variety of topics. Derek Felsky is our Chief Investment Officer in the studio, along with Dave Spano, President and CEO. Thanks, Danny. Derek, let me just uh, fire a couple of questions at you. Uh, the first one, of course, is the Federal Reserve has been the bell of the ball, and there has been this thing called the Fed put. Let's first of all explain what that is. Well, the Fed put was the belief that if the stock market in particular had a period of negative volatility, say a correction of 15 to 20 percent, that whatever the Fed was doing, they would reverse course and, and ease and accommodate because essentially what they've been trying to do is create a wealth effect you know, post-pandemic and also post-global financial crisis in order to get people to spend money. One way to get people to spend money is if they feel that their net worth is rising. So the idea would be that a Fed put is a protective downside buffer, if you will, for equity prices. And I think we've said pretty clearly over the last nine months that this was going to be a year where the Fed was going to focus on Main Street, not Wall Street. By that, I mean they wanted to run the economy hot to get wages to rise and so on, get the unemployment rate down, which they certainly have achieved. They just didn't expect the supply side constraints, which were met by really strong demand. Well, okay, there was a supply side issue. There's no doubt about it. Demand had skyrocketed, no doubt about it. 
But in my opinion, they continued to throw kerosene on the fire. And so now they're late to the party. We said, watch out for a policy mistake by the Federal Reserve. In my opinion, that is exactly what happened. And now you have inflation and inflation that may be around for some time to come. You'll recall, Derek, your former professor Siegel said when you raise money supply by 25% over the run rate, that is going to be inflation over the long term. So if if it's 8% now, we still have another 17% to go over some period of time. Well, there's certainly the inflationary pressures are to the upside. I mean, there are some some green shoots that we're starting to see. For example, the Mannheim used car index. And remember, used car prices and car prices led to half the increase in CPI over the last 12 months. In the last 90 days, the Mannheim used car index has dropped the most in history, down 6.4% from its high. So there are some other factors in CPI that are starting to moderate. The real question that you're really talking about is, you know, where are owner equivalent rents going to go and where are wages going to go? Because there are still 12 million job openings in this economy, and the unemployment rate is 3.6%. So the best way to get people in your at your firm is to basically offer high wages. Well, we saw a jobs report on Friday that was good, but it's still not good enough. I mean, I thought it was a relatively good jobs report. It was. I mean, during his testimony, Powell said that the labor market was tight to an unhealthy level. And by that, he meant that there aren't enough people coming into the labor force to offset these job openings. And while wages were up five and a half percent on a year over year basis, that lags the increase we've seen in CPI. So essentially, people are earning less in real terms terms than they had in prior periods. All right. So you mentioned some sectors in the previous segment that we just did. Energy was one of those. And if you look at energy, particularly where oil prices are now trading at $110 a barrel, it certainly gives one thought. It does. And, you know, of course, there's a war premium built in. You know, any questions about availability of energy, you know, natural gas prices have actually gone up considerably more than, than oil prices and gasoline prices. So there really is a short there And of course, when China comes back from their COVID lockdowns, that's another source of demand that doesn't currently exist, which is why many people still like the energy stocks for the long haul. And so that's one segment that we certainly uh, have put a light on, as well as things that go up that have pricing pressure. And that could be anything from agriculture to food. And that's when you go through your portfolio, you say, where do I have exposure? Where do I have too much exposure? And where do I not have enough? That is is part of the wealth metric, Danny. And that's, folks, that's what you should have in your hands, especially now. Investment retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning done by a fee-only fiduciary. Dave mentioned wealth metric. That's what happens when you click that Get Started button on our website. Yes, you can do it on the weekend, and we'll get things going for you as quickly as possible. AnnexWealth.com, click on that Get Started button. Back in a bit, this is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Ever feel like investment and retirement planning is one gigantic game of whack-a-mole? Up pops market volatility, a virus, a war. It goes on and on, and frankly, it can be a little exhausting. Tired of playing games on the way to retirement? It's time for Wealth Metric from Annex Wealth Management. More than a portfolio review, it addresses your investment, retirement, and tax plan to help achieve the retirement you desire. Visit AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference. Annex Wealth Management. 
Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. I'm Danny Clayton, Dave Spano, our president and CEO, Annex Wealth Management in the studio. A little easier drive in today? It really is. You know, you can start to see that the traffic has dissipated significantly for obvious reasons, right? Folks went went north. They went either northeast or the Midwest, and so folks uh, have, have left. But that doesn't mean that we aren't as busy as we've ever been down here. And it's, it's really great, Danny, because uh, it really allows an opportunity to have deep conversations and really with all of the consternation that's happening with the markets now is the time they have these conversations I mean so many people are, are like where do we go from here higher interest rates what does it do to the real estate market what does it do to my portfolio so great conversations can be had right now well just with the leaps in technology I mean we were doing a lot of video conferences with people before COVID and it's easy so somebody's going back to Ohio or they're going to New York or Minnesota or wherever we can talk to them next week yeah that's right and we have been doing that. That is a great point. You know, uh, with the advent of Zoom and everyone started to do those or Teams, whatever whatever else somebody was using, we could have those conversations and we're continuing to do that with our clients who have who have uh, gone back home, if you will, uh, air quotes. But for those who are here, I would suggest that you reach out to us because we can meet with you and sit down and go through these questions, these questions that people clearly have about uh, what's happening in the market, where the interest rates are going, what's happening, of course, with their portfolios, and to go through, because there is a key point here, Danny, and that is, no matter what it is, if if you're a local restaurateur or you sell widgets, if you sell more of those things and you had some income, we can go through, and this is a publicly traded stock, for example, we can look at the bottom line and find out if that is a good company for you or not because there has been a significant change and some of the high-fly tech companies, for example, aren't catching a bid, as they say in the market, where companies like, for example, in the energy business are. Go through and understand what you own, why you own it, as importantly, how much you're paying for it. What Annex Wealth Management does is investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. We do it as a team. Dave, we've had lots of people, and you're going to hear a lot of them between now and 1 o'clock here on 92.5 Fox News, talking about what we do. So the investment team, and that's a committee that we don't farm that out. That's our folks. And that's a significant point, Andy, because most other firms that do do that, they farm it out, and then there is a cost. There's a cost to the investor, and therefore, Sometimes what you think you're paying is not what you're paying. And that's why I always say, know what you're paying. Know the difference. One team, one plan, one fee. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. We'd love to do it for you. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Back in a minute on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? Annex Wealth Management teammate, Deanne Phillips here. She's a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, CFP, CDFA. Hi, Danny. How are you? I'm good. I want to ask you about debt in retirement and what you've seen and what you feel is the best approach. So what we're seeing is older Americans carrying bigger loads of debt into their post-work years than in the past. One of the biggest reasons is that fewer Americans have actually paid off their mortgages. And also we're, we're seeing more families that had kids later in life and they're helping their children with with college, thus taking on more student loan debt also. Yeah, I saw that 40% of retirees say that paying off debt is a 
priority of theirs. 30% need to get at credit card debt, 11% working on consumer debt like medical bills or even student loans, like you mentioned, and 9% still have mortgages. It makes sense. You say that people got going later and they help their kids, so they're carrying that debt farther. So I think it's really kind of a generational thing about being debt-free, too. So we think about, Danny, you and I are colleagues you know, here at Annex, but also about the same age, so same generation. But our parents, we think about our parents and their generation, or the greatest generation, certainly was told, get out of debt, pay off your house as soon as possible. But that was also a generation that didn't move, they didn't right-size. This is a mobile generation coming up who's retiring right now. So we have 50, 60-year-olds. I had a 70-year-old ask me, can I still get a mortgage? The question is uh, a good one, and the answer is it depends. Now, you have to have current income usually, usually, to get a mortgage. They want to see that. So if you're on the cusp of retiring and thinking, gosh, I'm going to enter into my retirement with a mortgage, see your your banker, your credit union or whatever, and talk to somebody before you retire just to manage the income and the expectations on that. But yeah, they will. If you qualify, they will give you a mortgage, even if it goes into your 90s and beyond. And sometimes, again, this is a math question, Danny, sometimes the math actually works in your favor to have that debt, if it's good debt at a low interest rate. So it's not like the old days, somebody in their 50s, if they still got a mortgage that should concern them, it's okay? Yeah, not necessarily. So I think that the the real estate boom and bust really taught us not to put our current use real estate on our balance sheet. And what I mean by that is, you know, we all have to live somewhere at some point. So as a financial planner, we tend to say, yeah, let's take our current home unless it is a way oversized home where we know we're going to downsize and we have a lot of equity built up into it. That might be a different story. But let's take that really off our balance sheet and let's because we always have to live somewhere. And certainly knowing numbers as you approach retirement is important. You've said this before. I mean, this is a cash flow thing. Here comes your math. It, it, you're right. It is all about math. See, there is a place for algebra in the world, Tanny. It's a math question from how much should I put away into my 401k? How much should I save? Is my company matching, first off? Or should I be saving elsewhere? Should I be doing a Roth? Should I be doing a spousal IRA, a contributory IRA for my spouse who's not working? So these are all math questions and cash flow questions. You know, sometimes when we hear the word budget, we think, oh, it's kind of a dirty word. Um, a lot of people we hear from entering into retirement say, I've never really looked at my cash flows. It's just always worked. But we like to say that there's a psychological difference when you enter into retirement because all of a sudden you've been putting away for yourself into this bucket where you've been taught, don't touch it. It's for retirement. Now, all of a sudden, you're turning on a paycheck from that resource because the place where you worked isn't paying anymore. You've retired, right? And you have to get your mind around psychologically the fact that it's okay to pull from there. And for a lot of people, that is a difficult psychological leap. And one of the ways to help bridge that is by taking a look at your expenses and dividing them into two categories. One is, this is the bucket of, this is what I have to have to live on. These are my property taxes, my utilities, my cell phone, my one guy said Spotify is a necessity. I love it. Okay, whatever is in your bucket of, I have to have money for this. And the other bucket is my fun bucket. This is my travel bucket. Very important in retirement. I'm not discounting it. But they're also discretionary. And what I mean by that is, if you say, in retirement, Danny, I want to spend $7,000 a year for five years to travel. And let's say I were to retire, bottom of the market hits, 
if I have those separations of the buckets and I know I've got cash flow coming in to take care of my have tos, I'm not so worried. I don't feel like, oh, I have to go back to work. I think, well, maybe in that travel bucket, I don't spend 7000 this next year. Maybe I only spend four. I'm okay psychologically. I've heard our planning department say this a number of times. Well, depends on how the plan goes. And we do, we can alter plans, run it up against the plan, see what the success rate could be. It, that's absolutely right. So life isn't linear, so neither is financial planning. When I started 23 years ago with this, we used to literally produce big, thick books, hand them to people, say, we'll keep your stuff on file for seven years. If anything changes, let us know and we'll rerun all the paper. Financial planning has changed so much over the past few decades. So now it's interactive. We use state-of-the-art software that's interactive in front of our clients. So if somebody says, gee, I wonder what my plan would look like if I actually retired a little earlier, within 30 seconds, they can know. If you need somebody to help navigate this through, we know somebody. We know a comprehensive financial planning partner who's a fiduciary, and that would be us, Annex Wealth Management. That would be us, and we have so many certified financial planners that all work on a team as to our clients' benefit uh, to really handle all the different questions. We're a big think tank. And that is the good news. Deanne Phillips, Annex Wealth Management, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me, It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference? This is a team segment deeding a home to somebody. Easy peasy, right? Well, maybe not. Jill Martin's our estate planning attorney at Annex. She heads our estate planning team, and she's joining us to talk about this. Hello, Jill. Hi, Danny. For starters, what's the typical reason someone would deed a property to somebody else? And first off, I should say, is deeding basically you're giving ownership to the other person? Yes. So that's a good point, right? If, if we're transferring real estate from one person to another, that's done through a deed, right? That's recorded with the Register of Deeds office that shows when title passes from one person to another. Who are these amazing people that give things away like this? Well, you'd be surprised. A lot of people do, especially when we're talking about having a second property up north or a vacation home somewhere, right? That's a legacy asset that a lot of times people want to make sure stays in the family. What happens is there's more than just doing the deed to get the house transferred to someone else. So this is not like a DIY project that involves a little bit of paperwork and somebody that knows how to do that. It it does involve paperwork. And if it's something where you're in the real estate industry and you do this a lot, Sure, you could do it yourself. Generally, what you need to do is a deed. There's a variety of different types of deeds, though, so you're going to need to know which type of deed you're doing. Then there's also going to be a transfer tax return, which it's called a real estate transfer tax return in Wisconsin, where you're paying a tax to transfer that property. Some don't have a fee, some do, so you're going to have to be familiar with that process. And then the other complicating factor is, is is there still a mortgage or a home equity line on that property? Because the bank is not going to just let you transfer it to whoever you want if you're still on the hook for a liability attached to that. Okay, my DIY project means changing a, a faucet. I'm not doing something like that. That sounds difficult. So is deeding a property to somebody else, does that mean it's, it, is it viewed as a gift? Is this a transaction? It, it can be. It absolutely can be. Unless you are getting paid for whatever you're giving to another person, it's a gift, right? So if I have a piece of real estate that's worth $100,000 and I'm going to put you on the deed as a co-owner with me, 
I'm making a gift of $50,000 worth of value to you unless you pay me that $50,000, right? So that's actually a legal gift when we just add people on to title. And so that's where things get really, really complicated, that we have to be very cautious about what are we doing and why. This is more of a question for our tax team, but could you just like sell it for a dollar? I've seen that. So unfortunately, that's still a gift because you're selling it at less than fair market value. So again, if I went out on the street and found someone to buy that house for me, right, I'm going to get fair market value for that. So if I sell it to somebody for a dollar, that's an implied gift because I didn't get full market value for so it. So somebody's thought of this before. I'm they just have, and the IRS has caught people on this. <laughs> yeah. So Jill Martin's our estate planning attorney at Annex. We're talking about deeding property to somebody else. I've got to guess that you've seen cases where it's done improperly, and somebody needs to go in and clean it up. Well, it, it improperly, or maybe without all of the thought process that goes behind what are the ramifications of this gift. A lot of times we see this in a scenario where mom and dad want to protect the house from a long-term care event. So they don't want to have to sell their house to pay for long-term care, right? So what do they do? They transfer the house to their three kids and they still get to live in it. Okay, that might not be a bad idea, but there are tax consequences that come along with that, especially if it gets more and more complicated the more kind of bells and whistles we try and put on that transaction. So just giving the house to your kids so that you're protected, we have to watch for the five-year look-back period for Medicaid. We have to watch, is that gift really included in mom and dad's estate or not? Because if not, they don't. then the kids don't get what we call that step up in basis when mom and dad die. So if the kids turn around and sell that house, there's capital gain implications that come along with it. So just deciding that you're going to deed the property over to your kids comes with a lot of other things that we need to think about. It's not as simple as it sounds. So there's a clean or best way to do this. And I'm guessing that anybody that's considering that, you got to put a team to, to work because it affects a portfolio. It affects tax status, I guess, in certain ways. And you got to have a capable estate attorney. Your usual advice is, let's just start at the beginning? Yeah. Usually when people are starting to contemplate planning, whether it's Medicaid protection planning, or it's that second vacation home that they want to get to the next generation now, it's important to make sure we're crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. So we want to talk to an estate planning attorney and even maybe a real estate attorney to make sure we're doing it in the most tax efficient manner, but also to make sure that we're doing it legally appropriately so that we don't have issues that come up later. And it's not like we're trying to throw a bunch of different attorneys into the room. We're just trying to do it right. Correct. Right. And what happens is, is if you do this by yourself, it can get messy. And then to your point, there's all of a sudden unintended ramifications that come down the line for family members way after the fact. Oh, I'm a big fan of hiring a pro. <laughs> That's for sure. Thank you. This is good. Jill Martin, estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management, talking about deeding property to somebody else. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome, Danny. Like it or not, you are a media-consuming machine. Chased all day by headlines, texts, emails, on the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. News about market volatility and uncertainty could lead to anxiety and and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report increased stress about their investment and retirement plans. This isn't a time to be frozen in place. Take action. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side. Build a plan that will help cut through the noise. We'll provide comprehensive investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Let Annex do a deep dive on your portfolio. 
offer unbiased advice with Wealthmetric and work to create a solid plan for you and your family. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. It only takes a couple of minutes, in person or online. It's time to take action and know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. AnnexWealth.com. Time for Ask Annex. Whether you're a client or not, we are all ears, and you can ask us a question anytime via our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. You look for the Ask button. We get back to everybody, and some of them wind up on the radio. Joining us in the studio, Sarah Kyle, a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thank you. You did so well last week that we're going to use you again. So Appreciate that. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, Randy Winkler, a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back to you. Thanks, Danny. First one is from Tom. I have a ton of cash in the bank earning virtually nothing. Should I invest it? Should I pay off my mortgage? Well, Tom, how much time do you have? That's a complex question. Yeah. Dan, if you remember a couple of years ago, we did common client questions, a couple of segments, and the number one question is, should I pay off my mortgage? What I like what Tom's doing here is he's thinking about it the right way, because you have to take a look at it basically from using your head and using your stomach, your gut, on paying this off. And he's doing the head choice here, because you have to look at what's the cost of money. We see very commonly where people want to take money out of their IRA to pay off their mortgage, and they might be paying three, five, 10, 15 times as much in taxes as they're paying in interest on the mortgage. That generally doesn't make sense. He's got money that's earning virtually nothing in the in his bank, could probably be moved over to be repurposed to pay off the mortgage. He's getting a nice return on his money, even though you don't think of it that way. So this might be a case where you would do that. Yeah. And, you know, we all grew up that our parents instilled in us that we should pay off our mortgage and they were always, that was their goal to pay off their mortgage. But back then those mortgage rates were 17, 18%. And there really was an alternative investment vehicle that could get you a better return. Today is different in current day. Our average mortgage is probably around 4% or less. And there's some alternatives you have now where our parents didn't have it. So it's also a personal feeling. If that's something you just feel you want to do and that makes you feel good, you know, by all means, pay it off. But from a financial standpoint, if you're making nothing in a bank account, you're safely losing money with that cash and it can be used better or invested better with a higher return, which is still greater than what you're paying in a mortgage. That makes financial sense. But once again, it's a personal opinion. I think back in the late 80s, my first mortgage, I think, was 11%, something like that. And I bet that was an arm at the time, too. Probably. Right. It's Ask Annex. Next one from Jane. James, should I change my allocation to more conservative in this market environment? Well, James, you know, the volatility is here and uh, we haven't had this volatility in a long time, but it's here and emotions are running high right now. But, you know, if you have a diversified portfolio and your allocation is allocated according to your risk tolerance and you rebalance on a regular basis, I would stay the course because stocks don't go on sale very often. And when they do, you want to be positioned correctly to take advantage of when the market moves back to the upside. And if history repeats itself, this pullback in the market to this magnitude should prove to be a great buying opportunity. Yeah, uh, Sarah and I were talking yesterday, and I'd like to jokingly tell a story with people about um, how markets are looked at, the stock market and the other markets are looked at differently. So I'll give an example. Let's say you wanted to go buy a sweater, and Danny, this is you. You're going to buy a sweater, and uh, they're 25% off. Would you go, oh my gosh, run from the store, sell all the sweaters you own, and go into hiding? That seems ridiculous, but that's how people look at the stock market. If you flip it around, if you go back and sweaters are 50% more than they usually are, would you say, hey, I need one, but I'm going to buy like five because, wow, they're, they're, they're really expensive now? It's kind of a silly example, but that's how a lot of people look at the stock market. They, they do the opposite of what they should be doing when they should be doing it. 
Yeah, and this is really the only industry when things go on sale, people run the other way. I may be dating myself, but if that was the case in real life, let's say retail, there would be no blue light special. We would not know that term because uh, people would be running from all the specials. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Long live Kmart. Yep, exactly. (laughs) That's right. Next one is Alan. My company 401k is rather constrained when it comes to choices. With current volatility, is it foolish to attempt to move to safer or more inflation-protected choices? That is a pretty common concern that we see from people. So we love 401ks. That's one of the best wealth creation devices of all time. You're putting money away out of every paycheck. Your dollar cost averaging and the market's low, you're automatically buying more. But one of the constraints is you don't have unlimited options. And they've even done studies that beyond a certain point, if you add more options, you get less participation because people get analysis paralysis. So we've seen times where there's not a good bond fund or there's no international fund. So this is a concern. And what we like to do, it really depends if you've got another account. So let's say you've got 500000 in a 401k and $5,000 in an IRA, and your 401k doesn't have a good international fund. We wouldn't say pick a bad fund just to get well allocated. Take the good funds, get some, you know, get some guidance there, and then build around it in your IRA. Beef up that area that's underrepresented in your 401k. Our last one is from Paul. I'm taking a new job and will be eligible to enroll in an HSA. Can I make a lump sum contribution? Well, Paul, first of all, congrats on the new job. That's exciting. And it's great that you get to contribute to an HSA, also known as a health savings account. Now, the HSA is my favorite savings vehicle because it's triple tax advantage. Your contributions go in pre-tax, your account grows tax-free, and your distributions come out tax-free if used for a medical expense. So boom, you have that trifecta, that's awesome. And yes, to answer your question, you can do a lump sum contribution on an annual basis. Just make sure you stay within the IRS guidelines. All right, Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management on Ask Annex, thank you. You're welcome. And Randy Winkler, CFP and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, appreciate that. Always love being here. For investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference, our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. Seems like it never ends. Market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? I believe I speak for most parents of adult children. There are times when they just don't listen to us. Here's another one, maybe for you dads. There are times in your life when maybe your boys thought you knew everything when they were little. Then they turn into teenagers and you didn't know anything. Then they get in their 20s and all of a sudden you know everything again. This might be your future, Eric Strom, financial planning manager and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. Now, you've got girls, right? Little girls? That's right. So for now, the moon and the stars are hung on you with them, right? I'd like to think so, but I'm not so sure. You see, I'm a girl dad two daughters, and my wife. So I'm outnumbered three to one. 
Time to get a dog. All right. At Annex Wealth Management, communication with our clients and our listeners of our radio shows is open all of the time. From Ask Annex to our weekly Axiom newsletter, we love engagement. We like that back and forth. And we're partway through a poll on Axiom that involves money questions to ask your adult children. And so far, the data has been pretty interesting. We thought it might be helpful to kind of discuss this. Eric, let's walk through the first four questions. And the first was, when you ask your kids, and again, this is adult kids, are you saving enough for retirement? What's the answer? Yeah, so what we heard here, and this is pretty good news, I'd say, 73% said yes, and 18% said saving somewhat towards retirement. So that means 92% of the adult kids are saving for retirement at least somewhat. And that's pretty good news, right? Because pensions are gone, you know, social security, a lot of younger people believe social security won't be as strong. So it's really up to the workers to build that nest egg, right? You know, I wonder the way that the question is presented, is it an interrogation or the kids just going, mom and dad, leave me alone, right? Right. The second part of that question one was, are you saving enough? So here the plot thickens, and I'm a little concerned. First of all, 10% of respondents said they know for a fact they're not saving enough. That's a little scary, but maybe this is even scarier. 55% don't know if they're saving enough. I'd like to take this moment to put out a loud and clear gauge. So generally for someone, Danny, in their 20s or 30s, you want to work towards saving 15% towards retirement. So here's my challenge to parents. Ask your kids, hey, are you saving 15% towards retirement at your work? Hopefully that information can help a little bit. It's good that you give them a specific number. Do 15%. Yep. Second question was, will you need financial help in the next five years? That's kind of loaded. It is. And our survey showed that nearly one in four of the adult children will need help in the next five years. And there's a great book in in personal finance, Danny, called The Millionaire Next Door. Oh, I know it. I love it. Very good book. There's a term that was introduced in that book that we talk about on this radio show regularly called economic outpatient care. So that's when you provide money to an adult child, especially when you do so on a regular basis. And they found that children getting that financial support had lower income and lower net worth compared to those children who were not getting the financial support. So we all have to be very careful here, especially when it comes to giving your children repeated financial gifts. For me, my attitude is let your kids figure it out. Eric Strom, financial planning manager at Annex Wealth Management, also a CFP, going over a set of questions in our Axiom newsletter for parents to ask their adult children. The third question was, do you have a will and estate plan? And it's interesting, Eric, because this might not even be so much about your adult children. Of course it is, but what about the grandkids, right? That's true. Here we found nearly half of the adult children did not have any estate planning documents in place at all, including even just a will. You know, frankly, this is not a huge surprise because nationwide, this is an issue. The base of your financial pyramid is three things, having an emergency fund, having appropriate insurance, and having estate planning documents in place. And documents is plural, so that's a will, of course. We've all heard of that. But then there's powers of attorney if you're unable to make healthcare or financial decisions for yourself, and also for some, maybe a trust. I think the key here is that parents who have kids in the house, like I do, you've got to talk to your spouse about who would raise your kids in the event that both of you pass away. You have to actually agree and then implement that with estate planning documents. Doing estate planning can be an emotional thing. No matter what, estate planning is important, something to strive towards getting that done. Final question was kind of a follow-up on that. How often do you plan on updating your will and or estate plan? My big takeaway here, Danny, was that one-third 
hadn't thought about it since they created their estate planning. So the good rule of thumb here is you want to update your estate plan every three to five years. So using myself as an example, when we had our six-year-old daughter, at that time we did our estate planning, but we just had another baby. And you know, it's been six years. We actually are in the process now of revamping that, meeting with our attorney. And also the law has changed in the last six years. The SECURE Act was passed. That greatly changes things. I think it's very important every three to five years, get that estate plan updated. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference? Our website is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager, CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Quick break, but we're going to be back on 92.5 Fox News. The Week in Review, Know the Difference Minutes, team segments, planning topics, including investments, retirement, tax, and estate. It's all on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Head to YouTube and search Annex Wealth Management. We're back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. I'm Danny Clayton. Joining me in the studio, Brandon Lehman, Director of Branch Development at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Danny, good to see you. You know, when we talk about the breadth of services at Annex Wealth Management, and I talk very often about the teams that we have, the financial planning team, the investment committee, the estate planning team, the tax planning team. How do you break that down with a client? Yeah, it's really important to help the client understand that there are a group of individuals here that have a really good depth of knowledge, and we are going to bring them to you. And we're going to bring them to you in a way that is truly independent, objective, here to help you. So fiduciary, we are. We are a fiduciary. But what's important, especially when you start talking to some of these clients that have very complex estates, very complex situations, you are bringing in the estate team. So uh, prime examples are estate planning attorneys of our strategic wealth team. They're talking to you. They're sitting down there looking at the plan. They're coordinating with your attorney to help you out. Then you bring in Uh, the tax team, the CPA. We don't want to replace your CPA. I want to be very clear. But what we're going to do is we're going to partner with them. We're going to look at it through a lens of how does this look going forward? We're going to have them talking to our estate planning team, talking to your attorneys, talking to your CPA, bringing all of this together. Then you have obviously the financial planning team, but their job in a situation where it's extremely complex is to say, where are the opportunities? What do they mean? And how do you take advantage of them? You know what I recently discovered is that other firms kind of farm out the investment committee. Other outside companies do that. Yeah. So that is something that's very common because right as a, as a one-man show or maybe as a, as a small team, you don't have all that knowledge. But when you look at Annex and you look at the team that we have here, we have a true investment team. I mean, PhD, CFAs, you know, these are individuals who are looking at the investments every day, looking for opportunities, understanding what's going on in the markets. And it's not just saying, hey, this is what's going on. This is what we think. Here are some probabilities, and this is how we position. And working seamlessly together, I have actually seen in our hallways where somebody will be talking about a certain client situation, and they're like, listen, let's huddle on that. Into the office they go, door gets shut, and they work it out. Yeah, we spend a lot of time going over this and bringing in other individuals. You know, I think it's important, especially when you get these complex estates, these complex scenarios with large dollar amounts, you need a full team to support you at all times. Brandon Lehman is Director of Branch Development and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, also a husband and father of three? Three. It's Mother's Day. It is. Did you cover? 
It's going to be late, but I got it. <laughs> okay, there you go. Thank you. Folks, if we can help you for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, as we say, as Brandon say, and we're going to keep on saying we are a fee-only fiduciary, if we can help, head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Get going on Wealth Metric. Back in a bit on Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Act 1, Scene 3, Hamlet from William Shakespeare. There's the line, to thine own self be true. Good advice, but when it comes to money, it might be the opposite. We found a list of seven money lies we tell ourselves. Deanne Phillips is Director of Client Learning Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. She is here to talk about them. Hey, Deanne. Hello, Danny. I knew you knew that line. Uh, Absolutely. Because why? (laughs) Because that was my major and undergraduate. Still waters run deep. They do. (laughs) All right. The first money lie we tell ourselves is, I'll be happier when I have X X amount amount. Yeah. Mm-hmm, right. So, you know, we're used to thinking in terms of end games, right? So it's logical to think that one might say, well, when I have X amount of dollars, I'll have made it. However, life isn't linear. Neither are Shakespeare plays. Neither are our finances. So expenses and cash flows don't come in and go out smoothly all the time. And we're aware of this. It's great to have those goals, those target numbers, but there isn't a magic number that equates to happiness. What's a lot for some isn't a lot of money for others. Just like people, finances are personal to someone's situation, lifestyle, health, and all that. If we rely on that special magic number, we're actually setting ourselves up for disappointment if we don't achieve it and then maintain this happiness, you know, from there on out. But, you know, here's the thing, though. When we make progress toward our goals, it scientifically is satisfying. So whether or not we hit that magic target, we need to make progress. I'm probably going to butcher it, but there's the famous Rockefeller line where they said, well, how much money do you want? And he said, one dollar more. Right? <laughs> right, okay. right. Money line number two, I deserve it regardless of whether I can afford it. Yep. As humans, we love to rationalize our behavior, justify our actions. And let's face it, we've all been through a lot. So with the stimulus that came, bonuses, it's easy to say, hey, I work hard. It's been tough. I deserve this expense that's usually used to soothe the sting of expensive purchases the things that aren't really essential you know one off that's okay but with frequency that can derail a financial plan Money line number three, more of a declaration. I have strong financial willpower uh-huh many of us think we do so I say this show me your actual spending. I will show you what you value. Uh, Not my line, but a great one and very true. When was the last time that we really, really wanted something and we didn't get it? Even if it means we went back the next day and got it, right? That's just how we work. The average American spends at least a couple of $100 a month on impulse purchases. And when you add stress to that mix... 
well, we're likely to spend even more. And that's probably why impulse spending shot up about 18% last year in 2020. Utilizing our phones and credit cards instead of cash, it makes it so easy. The average credit card shopper spends about 10% more with their cards than they would if they were actually pulling out their billfold and using cash. What's that old saying? You're spending money you don't have to buy things you don't, you don't need, need to impress people you, you don't, don't like. care about, right? <laughs> right? Or you don't okay. like, right, right. Deanne Phillips is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, talking about seven money lies that we tell ourselves. Number four, I'll save more later. Yeah, Danny. Okay, I'm going to show my age in this one, but you'll get this. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, right? right? Uh, Yeah, people buy now and they think they'll save later or they'll pay the piper later. This might be what we have left over and without any real savings goal, right? Um, Fewer than one in six of us are saving more than 15% of our income and one in five people aren't saving anything. It's important to give a nod to how important the future you is to be serious about having enough money in retirement. No one wants to dramatically cut their lifestyle when they retire. Speaking of the future, money line number five, I have plenty of time to plan for my financial future and I don't need to think about it yet. You know, so I have clients that come in and they say that this is their kiddo, right? Because they're so young. When we're young and we're facing those decades of work, even before retirement, It can seem so far away that there might be an urge to put it off, put off all that planning. This gives more room in our minds for excuses and to spend however we want now. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from Benjamin Franklin. I say this all the time, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Moving through a list of seven money lies that we tell ourselves, number six, there's good and bad debt. And this is where it confuses me because I thought some debt is needed. So how bad is it? Yeah, so this one might be a money lie, but we really need to retool and rethink this. I say this all the time, Danny. We have to follow the math on this one. There's actually better debt when compared to factors like earnings, inflation, current economic circumstances. Let me give you an example. Many people have mortgage debt, right? And this is a great environment for low rates. People are refinancing into a two and three quarters, 3%, right? If an investment portfolio is making double that, and the mortgage debt is half that, well, that does look like smarter debt because the investments are doing better. So it's really about a comparison. Why why would you take money out of something that's growing and lock it up in your house just to have the house paid off? Now, there may be other reasons, and it goes back to your financial plan, but this really is mathematical as well as emotional. You need to explore both of those sides. We do tend to assign moral value to debt, And we have to remember, all debt does come with a cost. There's nothing for nothing, right? It's critical to understand how every loan affects our current and future selves. So focusing on that total cost of interest over time versus total earnings over time, that's what's important. Working through a list of seven money lies we tell ourselves, not trying to beat you up here because here's where I think it turns around. This is a lie. Wanting more is bad. It's not bad. No, it doesn't have to be. Ever hear of it's not having what you want, but wanting what you got. So while that's true, wanting more for yourself and loved ones isn't innately bad. What we don't want to do is trick our mind into telling ourselves that we'll just settle for less and let that affect our behavior, like saving less to justify our current spending to the detriment of our future self. This money lie holds us back, and it could be hard to improve our financial behaviors. But wanting more can be a positive motivator. 
Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. At Annex Wealth Management, we put our money where our heart is. With the Annex Charitable Foundation, we strive to support difference makers in local communities and organizations to help them succeed. That's part of the difference. Learn more at AnnexCharitableFoundation.org. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. If you've been with us the whole hour, thank you very much for that. I hope you've heard a great example of the team that works for you as a fee-only fiduciary. I'm Danny Clayton, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano, President and CEO. You know, Danny, there's uh, so many clients that are coming in, and so I, I do pop into the conference rooms to, to say hello and to listen to any consternation that they may have. And to my great pleasure, there is a lot of people who are okay with what's happening. And I'm going to tell you why. There's two parts of this conversation. We were proactively doing things in the portfolio, Derek, and I just want to illuminate just a couple of moves that we've made over, say, the last six to nine months. Well, uh, on the fixed income side, we had feared the, the impact of rising rates on long-dated fixed income securities, treasury bonds, corporate bonds, the like. So we had a much we had a much lower duration in our fixed income portfolios and continue to, uh, and that basically protects you from rising interest rates and gives you a higher coupon with which to cushion that. So that was one thing. So basically, we had low-duration fixed-income portfolios. And on the equity side, similar, uh, low-duration equity. So you didn't want to have as large a a tilt towards large-cap growth stocks. We eliminated a large-cap growth fund that we had held for years uh, in the middle of the year. Uh, We continue to reduce our exposure to growth stocks uh, throughout the beginning of this year. And even recently, we reduced it even more by shifting from a higher-octane growth company that focuses on emerging markets towards one that is U.S.-based, where we believe the U.S. growth stocks are now back to more reasonable valuations. that's it. So were we proactive on the investment side? The second part, Danny, that I'm hearing a lot in making people feel okay, if you will, is that they have a plan. Folks, if you don't have a plan, you're, you're probably feeling this pressure more than others. We have met with our clients. We have a financial plan in place, and we're communicating that financial plan. And the questions that we hear when people come in is, I know I have a plan is my plan okay? It isn't, how are my small cap equities doing? Nope. Danny, it is, is my plan okay? You know, we've got different clients, and many will watch CNBC very carefully. Others don't at all. And they just say, am I on track for retirement? If I'm in retirement, how's my plan going? Now, you mentioned a couple of years ago that if something like this happens, we will do this, this, and this. Are you doing it? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we are doing it. And we do tell our clients that, and Derek, uh, we should expect the unexpected. You know, we look at a number of things, and technically, you know, we see that the market is trying to form a bottom. You know, it keeps going to about 4120, 4130 uh, on the S&P 500. I'm not sure it can hold here. If it doesn't, there may be another, I don't know, 6% on the downside. You know, you can tell us, but you know, there certainly could be more downside. Well, you know, at this point, though, the the decline we've seen with the S&P down 15% is really fairly normal. Since 1950, the S&P has seen an average annual max drawdown on an annual 
basis of 14%. And we mentioned any number of months ago that in a midterm election year, that average is actually a little bit bigger at minus 17%. So we're pretty close to what you would say is an average uh, decline. And the other thing we do when we meet with clients is we give them a range of outcomes. We show them what the upside is from their allocation and what the downside is. And that helps shape their risk tolerance. And you know, if people are concerned with the idea that their portfolio could be at 10, 12, 13% over a six month period, then perhaps they'll have less equity exposure than they might've thought they would handle. Because that's really the question you have to ask. What are you willing to tolerate on the downside that will also not blow up your financial plan. Yeah, exactly. So the plan and the investing, and we communicate those things. If you are an avid listener and you want to learn more, go to AnnexWealth.com and sign up for the Axiom. We put this out every single week. And next week, folks, we're going to put together a presentation, Derek and I, and we're going to send it out to everybody. If you want to get that, go to AnnexWealth.com and sign up for the Axiom and sign up for the newsletters. Does your team have a PhD? Does it have CFAs? And that's that's about the highest you can get. And I guess i got to look at you, Derek, because you got one. Uh, CFPs, we've got them. We've got... JDs, we've got lawyers, we've got a smooth running CPAs. client service <laughs> managers. I mean, you've heard them on this show over the years. They're working for you each and every day. Dave, six or seven years ago, you were talking about, you know, there could be a black swan event, there could be a pandemic. And I remember thinking, oh, come on. Yeah, you no, know, I, I wish I went to said that. Well, but it you know did what? Come true. But you're looking out the front window, and I think that's important. So, are you feeling confident, folks? especially with who you're working with now. If you're working with somebody, if you're do-it-yourselfer, can we help you get across that finish line or at least strengthen things up? Our strong suit, investment and retirement planning, tax planning and estate planning. It's a complete plan built using the power of the entire Annex team. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. The get started button, maybe that thing should be called the launch button, the fire button, the go button. But no matter what, hit it this weekend. Start the wealth metric process. It would be our pleasure, our honor to work for you. See you in a week. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.